You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well met, fellow adventurers. I have finally made my way to the Copper Hilt Lodge in the Dragonmere Deep in North East Telsa. Here's the description, hidden in the near impenetrable heart of an ancient swath of forest that lodges the southeastern edge of Dragonmere Deep. Copper Hilt Lodge, a grim, imposing structure of timber and stone, is among the last remaining the once numerous guild halls of the Adventurer Collective. There's a few links here. Dragonmere Deep. The sprawling stomp, swamp, known for ages as Dragonmere Deep, is home to both wild beauty and unspeakable peril. Even the boldest of adventurers choose to avoid this treacherous bog. And then there's Copperhilt Lodge. The Copper Hilt Logs, its location a long guided secret, is one of the oldest remaining guild halls affiliated with the Adventurer Collective. If you know the location of the guild hall, be sure not to breathe a word of it to anyone. I think I've kept things vague enough. <laughs> and what are guild halls also? Once proud fixtures that can be found throughout Swift. The numerous guild halls once maintained by the Adventurer Collective have all but disappeared over the last generations. The halls that remain have become secretive and often lonely places where the few two adventurers of the current age still gather. Membership of the Adventurer's Collective is a prerequisite for joining an Adventurer's Guild Hall but does not provide a guarantee of membership. Each hall maintains its own roster of members and governs itself as an entity separate from the collective. When viewed at a distance, the front of the lodge, the centrepiece of which is the towering set of open doors, open doors that guard the main hall, almost seems to resemble the broad head and gaping maw of some hideous beast. Set back from the lodge's western flank, at the edge, end of a broad stony lane, is a large stable. Well, the adventurers have got to put all their horses somewhere. Okay, now I'm going to enter the lodge now, Stormgate. You go, you go make friends with all the other horses. And just, I remember you're better than them. Enter the lodge. The heads of three ogres, mounted just above the fireplace, stare ruthlessly out across the the lodge's cavernous main hall. The gruesome trophies, collected years ago by lodge master Wogdabagdam himself, are adornments well suited to define the character and metal of the rugged company for whom the lodge serves as a second or first home. Now Wogdabagdam also has a link. Wog, 
Rogbadden Thornstorm. That's a cool name. The infamous, a select few would add, vile Rogbadden Thornstorm is Lodge Master of the Copper Hilt Lodge, one of the oldest and last surviving adventurers' guild halls to be found anywhere in the North Broadlands. Having earned a small fortune as the notorious vaults, boatswain of the Dragon Skinner, the infamous ship captain by the legendary Jod Wolfsquit, Rod- Rodman retired from a life at sea and turned his penchant for savage brutality into a profitable turn as an adventurer. Quick to anger and easily provoked to violence, the diminutive Rod Wogbadron, who stands barely over five feet tall, possesses strength uncommon for his size. Under his leadership as Lodgemaster, the the Copperhilt Lodge has earned a reputation among adventurers as a place brimming with a promise of adventure and the likelihood of a tooth-loosening brawl. Okay. Next to the trio of ogre heads, mounted vertically on, on the rough-hewn square of wood, is the copper hill for which the lodge was long ago named. Your presence in the hall momentarily grows what is otherwise an incessant, near-deafening cacophony of shameless boasting, worn-out torn tail, sarcastic ill-will and base savagery. Unfortunately, the fleeting reprieve lasts only as long as it takes you to draw a single breath. I wonder where this one's from, snarls an unpleasant voice from somewhere, somewhere amidst the wildly throng. It's got a few options now. Seek out Lodge Master Wogbadden. I could examine the strange painting near the fire. Examine the copper hilt. Or just leave the lodge. Well, I'm not leaving the lodge. I'll start by looking at the copper hilt. Mounted on a rough-hewn slab of wood, just to the white of the three ogre heads, the copper hilt, after which the lodge was named, is both tarnished and covered in a thick layer of dust. According to a tale frequently told in the hall, this hilt is part of a sword once wielded by the ancient Ardavarian hero Seer. (gasps) There were some who would dispute the claim, but very few would knowingly do so within earshot of Log Lodge Master Wogdabarden. Oh, I examine the strange painting. A large, the large painting hanging to the white of the hearth depicts a massive domuk towering over the bloody bodies of seven warriors. The gruesome painting was obviously created by a stilled artist. As someone about the painting, that's the Oaken King," says a grey-bearded man sitting on a wooden stool next to the hearth. The old, the rumor going around is old Woggies figured out the, where that that Domuk's taken root. Before you can inquire further about the painting, the man to whom you are speaking is suddenly engaged in conversation by a man seated nearby. You take another look at the painting before moving off across the old crowded hall. There's a link for the Oaken King. The Oaken King, this ancient Domuk. By far the greatest and most malevolent of a cruel species, oh my. And and I mean, the ones I've encountered so far have been pretty great and pretty malevolent. So this one is going to be a problem. Was once a roaming terror, those nightmarish army of living trees braved a wide swath of the North Broadlands. Okay, that, that, I think that might be the, that might be in the, Top 10 most nightmarish armies. Living trees. Way, way worse than an army of goblins. Maybe probably about equal with an army of Otorok. Not as bad as an army of dragons. But pretty bad. Nearly. 
Nearly 200 years ago, the fearsome Oaken King and his legion of lesser Domwick inexplicably vanished. It's believed that the Oaken King, for reasons unknown, entered the vast, untamed mire known as Dragonmere Deep in eastern Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, eastern Tulsa. If I said northeastern Tulsa before, I was wrong. Over the two centuries since the sudden disappearance of the savage living oaks, many expeditions have been made into the great swamp. Each of either, each in hopes of either proving the location or the demise of the sinister creature. Many maintain that the Oaken King is taken, taken root somewhere deep in the tangled heart of the mire. And then he and his army of Domok tirelessly guard a great treasure. Ooh, treasure. Oh, I like that. And a big monster. I mean, that's, that's bed, bread and butter for adventurers. But not yet. Not yet. Okay, now. Okay, that, we've, we've looked around enough. Time to seek out Lodgemaster Wogdbadden. You find Wodge Major Thornstorm is private, the curiously doorless warm womb at the far end of the hall. The notorious reformed outlaw, who has been the Lodge Master longer than anyone cares to remember, grumbles something and looks up from a set of mats spread out across the table before him. The short, broad-shouldered, white-bearded man closes one eye and regards you with a look that suggests equal parts suspicion and derision. He mumbles something that that inquire. It sounds like a greeting, and goes back to studying his maps. Inquire about joining the lodge. Have we been introduced? No matter. You know who I am, and I know all I need to know of you. A friend of mine, who sees fit to waste her time in the collective, sent word you might be passing this way. He grumbles. The lodge master suddenly unleashes a fearsome belch and appears to leave him momentarily shaken. You look near enough to part well. There's a small matter to attend to before anything else. I'm referring to the fee. You might know. Do you know? After another belch, Wogmadden tells you it costs you ten adventurer tokens and ten thousand gold to join the Copper Hilt Lodge. You'll get the adventure tokens back after you've made yourself useful, he says, snorting as he readjusts his study vest. Did you hear what I said? The adventurer tokens, not the gold. The cost is purposely prohibitive. Need you some time to... Need some time to scrounge it up? I dare say you might. Okay, time to pay to join the lodge. That's ten adventurer tokens and ten thousand gold. Here we go. And they're spent. I'll get the AT back. Yak, and getting the gold won't be too difficult. Well then, that's the easy part. Settles, growls, Walter Madden. I don't have to tell you how it pays to be careful these days, though. The collective doesn't usually just send anyone away, but I suppose there's always a chance of it. Nothing is what it once was. And there's very, very little good to be found in that. The Wodgemaster steps forward and slaps you on the shoulder. The sting of the friendly blow hints at the immense strength possessed by the diminutive man. A wild look flashes over Wodgemaden's face. His dark eyes narrow and his smile rapidly twists into a frightened scowl. Prove yourself, he snarls, shoving you back against the wall. Don't look so startled. Prove yourself. Show me what all the fuss over you is about. The unnerving speed with the short, white-bearded man launches himself you, catches you off guard, quickly recovering from the shock of the brutal turn of events. You expertly remove it to counter the unexpected attack. It's Wogdabadden. Begin combat. This is non-lethal combat. When neither you nor the enemy are attempting to kill, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to get hurt a lot. Because this is an 18 plus combat. And I think this is one of those ones that's going to be 18 plus for nearly everybody. 
Because this is one of your fights you're supposed to lose. It's just how it is. It's not quite up there with the man in the leather hat who introduced me to the Adventure Collective, but he's close. He's close. Normal. Bogsbadden roars as he unleashes a folly of punches. A volley of punches. Uh, just used a quick stone 20s. Now he's down to 91%. Yes. <laughs> uh, you can't use powers and you can't use skills. You can't use powers and you can't use items. So there's really nothing I can do except keep fighting defensively. Yeah. <sighs> Waterbarn smashes you with a blow that leaves you wheeling for 21 damage. Okay, he keeps he smashes you with a bolt blow that leaves you wheeling for 47 damage. Yeah, there's a pretty much just blow that leaves you wheeling for 55 damage. Yeah, he's tough. He is crazy tough. Yes, most people will never see what happens when you if you beat him. Because, look, I've been doing this for a few years, but he, he's been doing this for many years. And not just being an adventurer, being a, being a pirate as well. So, he's just way stronger than me. He's probably got all sorts of fancy equipment and permanent stat boosts and who knows what else. He's just... He's tougher than me. Yeah. And it's ne I'm, I'm nearly down. You are defeated. He, he just knocks me out with a blow that leaves you wheeling for one final hit. And now I am defeated, but still alive. Roger Bowden reaches down and helps you to your feet. The Lord's Master slaps you on the shoulder and gives you a quick wink. Don't let it be said you can't fight, he says, still winded from the impronto co contest. If you can't have another go at it sometime, well, more is here. Somewhere. Roger Bowden leaves and returns with two frothing flagons of ale. As the two of you recover from the ba your bout, quenching your third... Your first with the sweet, thick, sweet, malted brew. Now, the logmaster tells you that if you're interested in adventure, you could speak with Mar Marpril. The man's, man's a bit hard to take, but he knows what needs to be done around here. My only advice would be not to disappoint him or me. Welcome to the Copper Hill Lodge, brother. Now, get out of my sight before I toss you out of it. With no desire, with no reason to doubt the sincerity of his last remark, and I know quite well he could do it. He could, yeah. He, he tossed me out. He could probably, he could probably get me to go all the way out of the lodge and hit a twig. Yeah, because he's just that strong. You bid walked back in farewell and step into the main hall as a full-fledged member of the lodge. Yeah, and uh, now, now the lodge is a safe point, which means I automatically heal, which I just needed to do because I just got my ass whooped. Okay, and now, well, that explains the smell. Look who's here, snarls an unpleasant voice from somewhere amidst a rowdy throng. So... There were a few. There's now more options. I can now visit. I can now seek out the taskmaster Marquill, or I could visit the trading post. I'll give the trading post to go first. In a large room at the far end of the main hall's eastern flank, the ever-pleasant Viria operates what has become to be known as the trading post. If you're not a member of either the Lodge or the Adventures Collective, the seemingly unflappable and at times irritatingly cheer cheery young woman has been granted permission by the Lodge Master to set up shop in the Guild Hall. Wogsbaden maintains that 
log members need both easy access to decent equipment and a place to sell items of value they may acquire during their adventures. Very are pushing back both back tangled logs of her prematurely graying hair, looks up at her toll from her toes at the log workbench, and greets you with a smile. So you, you, there's a few options here. I could speak to her, allow her to examine your items. That lets you sell various interesting things you find in adventures here. For gold, or ATs, or both. Examine the armour currently for sale. Examine the weapons currently for sale. The weapons. Let's have a look at the weapons. They're probably going to be regular weapons. View them. Smiling as she inquires about your latest adventures. Valera shows you the weapons she currently has for sale. She tells you her inventory usually changes every day. View the weapons. Yeah, it's all just regular weapons. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good for non-magical stuff, of course, but... View the armour. Yeah, once again, it's just... Regular non magical stuff. I mean, if you get an unmatched plate helm, that's, that's nice, but I already have one. Yeah, once again, it's all regular, regular non magical stuff, which is to be expected. You can't just buy a magical weapon, it needs an adventure. Even if the actual adventure happened earlier at the hands of Tallies, it's just the rules. The rules of the game. I mean, you've got to earn your way to being a super powerful adventure. You can't just. You can't, you can't just get. You can't just turn up and become a, become a super powerful adventurer with daddy's money. Yeah, you gotta. You gotta get your ATs. You gotta do your quests. Okay, that's that's it. That's Virus examine your items. Virus takes a look for your belongings, but doesn't express any interest in any of them. I'm glad you let me out a look, she says, smiling. You never know what I might find to my liking. Let me know if you come across anything you think I might want to see. Yeah, she shows a few things. Speak, speak with Virulia. Thulia, continually pushing back the tangle of grey hair that covers her eyes, smiles and then frequently laughs, and frequently laughs as she fills you in on some of the more interesting bits of news that have recently come to attention. She tells you that while larger, more lucrative markets exist elsewhere, she's happy operating out of the lodge. Sure, I could set up shop in some other place, she says, a tone she believes suggesting she believes she's answering a question you're about to ask. What safer places is there than this old hall? I don't even need to lock up my wares. You'll learn that Varia, who, who lives in the lot, enjoys spacious, well-appointed quarters, tucked away at the back of the trading post. Well, it's nice having you about, Soup, she says, as she returns to the long list of tasks she hopes to accomplish with all her day outs. You breathe just a bit of life into this place. I don't suppose you ever heard that anywhere before. Or have you? Okay. Yeah, no, not, not gonna... Not going to be talking to her again until I have some interesting things to... Some interesting things to show her. Also, you, you do get some fairly decent prices there for selling off stuff. Now to see Tag Taskmaster Marple. Taskmaster Marple, a thin, balding man, whose left arm is missing just below the shoulder, sits alone at a table towards the rear of the hall, a large book open before him. His sharp green eyes fix you with a piercing gaze as you approach. So, how is the Copperhilt Lodge's most accomplished adventurer faring? 
he asks his sardonic duck jibe delivered in a friendly, jestful tone. Might have something for you, unless someone else has, ta- has already taken it. I make your promises on such matter. If Marple has any tasks to assign, you may renew them by selecting the Adventures for This Location option below. Then I will. Adventures for This Location. A simple enough task. You learn that the wagon bears a valuable cargo bound for the remote mining settlement of Stonefall. Okay, that looks pretty easy. Just guard, guard a wagon. There'll probably be some bandits, I guess, because there's always bandits. Always bandits. I mean, they're practically... They're, they're up there with goblins as foes you can just throw there, throw in at any time if you don't think... Oh dear, um, um, well, oh, ooh. We've 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 gone thirty seven seconds without fighting anything. Ah, uh, bandits! Bandits! More bandits! Throw the bandits! More bandits! Just keep throwing bandits at them! Uh, my dear sword is not bloody enough. Uh, uh, there we are. Okay, good, good. That's enough fighting for the next minute. Oh no! The minute has passed. Throw another bandit. <laughs> you learn. And here we are, let's start it. This can be normal or scaled. Right, I'm just going to do it on normal. And so begins a simple enough task. Marcel surprised as, as he looks out across the crowded hall. Then apparently satisfied that whoever he hoped to see isn't present, he slowly turns to you. Very well, you can have this one, he says. Listen carefully, as I don't care to repeat myself. I needn't remind you that when you undertake a task for the lodge, specifically one that I have assigned, you bear upon you your every action, and you bear upon you every action, and inaction or reputation. It's a reputation that we have earned over the past few centuries with blood. Our own and otherwise. I think it's mostly otherwise. We don't care to have that reputation sullied. Not by anyone. Not for any any reason. Is that quite clear? Tell Marpru, I understand. The balding, one-armed man nods and tells you he has little doubt. You will carry out the task with ease. My warning is more of a formality than anything else, he says. Watch, that is to say, our dear Lodgemaster has become just a bit less selective with those seeking membership. I suppose he felt our wanks were dwindling, but that is no longer a concern. Now, if only we could do something about all the flotsam of his out-of-character leniency, Marple sighs. Another matter for another time, he says. Here, let me tell you what you'll be doing. Marple tells you. The task at hand involves escorting a lone wagon across the road that edges Tysus' far eastern frontier, a region, a region notorious haunt, region notorious as a haunt for both highwaymen and goblins. Which is worse, he muses, struggling in response to his own question. Bandits, goblins, both are miserable creatures, each much the same as the other. I'm certain neither one would prove troublesome to you. You will learn that the wagon bears a valuable cargo, bound for the remote mining settlement of Stonefall. It will be you, the driver, a man named Usum, the owner of the wagon and his cargo, whatever it is, and one or more of Oswald's goals. Oswald has, through our agents, requested our help and agreed to pay our price. Marple tells you the wagon will depart from the border town of Crow's Health within the month. I trust you have no matter getting there by then, he says. Of course, there is the matter of the collateral. Marple tells you that due to several recent incidents involving the abandonment of several important missions by former members of the Lodge, Walter Ballon has instituted a collateral policy 
to ensure to ensure that adventurers undertaking tasks see them through to completion. You learn that the collateral for each task is assigned by marble, usually gold. Is set by the lot set by the lodge master, and must be paid before any assignment is made official. Upon on the successful completion of the task, the collateral is returned. And you will also receive any payment to which you're entitled, he said. It's the only way our good old lodge master can see to keep this whole business honest. Though I believe I'm not among the majority, I happen to agree with him. The collateral required to accept this task is 500 gold. Alright, accept the task. There, 500 gold is now is now hostage to my good behaviour. Marco smiles when you hand him your collateral. The transaction signifies your acceptance of the task. Well, we've done we're done with that much of it, he says, running his hand through what remains of his hair. Well, you best be off. The sooner you're done with this business, the better. Safe travel, Zoop. Nearly a month later. In the surprisingly pleasant company of Ursula Brentwood, his driver, and two hired guards, you have been travelling north and east along a lonely road known as Ledge Pike. It's been four days since the heavily laden covered wagon rolled out of Crow's Heath, drawn by a pair of brindle-draught horses. Majestic, majestic beasts which Orjol has affectionately named Jod and Plod. Ah, good horses. So far, despite some early, early trouble with two of the wheels, the trek, while just a bit uncomfortable, has been otherwise uneventful. The wagon, loaded with large, weighty, unmarked casks. What could be in them? I guess I'll never know. Lurches, wattles and creaks as it trumbles along the rugged road. You, you immediately discern that the casks, which also was never mentioned, are the important cargo to which Marpril has referred. And despite your own burning curiosity, you decide against asking about them. Instead, you remain content to take your regular shifts at the front of the wagon with the driver, your keen eyes scouring both the road ahead and the dense wilderness that flanks the pike for any possible sign of danger. Is Urzwal, who well knows the group from Crow's Heath to Stonefall, Estimates the journey will take six days. You resolve to take no chances and diligently attend to your duties, exercising extreme wariness at all times. And I'll say it again. Glad to have you with us, lad, says Urzel. Those thick head of pure white hair betrays his advanced age. I've learned my lesson about travelling these roads without proper guard. First time I've hired anyone from your outfit, though. And I'm not displeased in the least. There'll be something extra in it for you when you eat Stonefall. In the short while you've known Urzel, having met him at the inn in Crow's Heath only four days ago, you've grown quite fond of his friendly, though somewhat enigmatic character. You really sense, however, that despite his cheerful demeanour, something heavy right, something he- weighs heavily on his mind. The two... Two guards, who Urzwell has instructed to follow your objectives, both proved to be pleasant company. Uthred and Tilman, both hailing from Pakrur, seem capable and loyal. Young May appeared to be completely undaunted by the danger the long, rugged trek to the remote mining settlement presents. You initially find it somewhat odd Urzwell would choose to seek out additional protection to his duty, considering that Tilman Tilman and Uthrim seem entirely capable of handling attacks. Ultimately, however, you abandon his, your attempts to guess at his reasoning, suspecting he likely knows more about the perils of the pike than anyone else in the, pre- in the present company. Your time spent up front has, has also allowed you to become acquainted with the driver, a portly, well-travelled man named Wynne 
whose favourite topics of conversation is the different types of ales to be found throughout the kingdom. Like the others, his amiable disposition helps to bolster a growing sense of camaraderie among the five of you as the wagon, with very few stumbles, am, am steadily ambles towards Stonefall. Late on the fifth day of your journey, as dusk begins to cloak the lonely wilds, the company stops and sets up camp in a small hollow at the edge of the road, while y- Wynne and Uthrid tend to the horses, who help gather wood for the fire over which Urzel promised to concoct what he refers to as his famous stew. Crow's Heath stew is what I should call it, he says, staring into the steamy iron pot that dangles precariously over the fire's dancing flames. In all honesty, I've never given it a proper name. I don't know that it really needs one. I doubt you'll ever taste anything yet. Well, at least not when on this little trek. The stew proves to be every bit as delicious as Urswell boasted. While you ravishly consume the steaming broth, its thick base shimmering with half raw potatoes and chunks of swimming with half raw potatoes and chunks of dried, generously salted meat. Israel busied himself preparing bowls for himself and others. You suddenly realise something is terribly wrong. You pick a number from 1 to 100. Bonus of 20 from body. And if success is 75 or more. If I fail, I presume something bad will happen. Pick now. 39. Failure. A series of sharp pains shoots through your guts. 21 stamina points lost. I think I've just been poisoned. Oh dear. You step out, you drop your bowl and stagger back from the edge of the fire. Alright, now pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from mind, 20 from aura. Success of 75 or more. Hmm. I think I've got to... This is me pulling through the poison, presumably. Pick now. 80. Success. The pain stabbing through your gut abruptly subsides, only to be replaced by a burning sensation in your chest in your, and head. Despite a valiant attempt to regain your feet, you stumble back and slump to the ground as your surroundings begin to spin and blur. Urza washes over to your side and gently cradles your head, preventing it from striking the ground. The white-haired man stares down at you. With dense phase now consuming your vision. A nervous expression dominates his now familiar f- face. It's going to be out, he says, as three silhouetted figures appear behind him, their faces indiscernible. Tie him up. I know enough about this one to make that a very prudent suggestion. Tie him up tightly. Take care that he looks comfortable. Comfortable. I'll have no harm come to for. Come to him. By the old father, what have I gotten myself into? You attempt to speak, but find you no longer have the strength to do so. As a pair of hands grabs hold of your arms, the, the haze before your eyes melts away, replaced by total darkness. Your discomfort rapidly fades as you slip peacefully into a deep slumber. You wake with a start, groggy and disorientated. You're lying on your back, staring up at the underside of the heavy cloth ceiling of Ursula's wagon. Your aching wrists, bound with thick length and rugged woes, are beneath you, pressing into the middle of your spine. As your head begins to clear, your instincts, your instincts trouble to stave off a rising wave of panic. You suddenly hear two voices outside the wagon. One of them below belongs to Ursula, though the other. Thin, masculine, cheerless voice is unknown to you. That's unfair. You'll need to take it up with our mutual friend, says an unknown man. I've given you all that was agreed on. I ask that you don't hold me up any further. I've a long way to go and this whole affair doesn't sit well with me. The sooner I'm done with it, the better. <laughs>
I'll take it up with her, says Israel. Don't you worry about that. But that will have to wait. We're still due in Stonefall. All right, then. All right, go on, then. Tell, Get him out of my wagon and into yours. He won't be any trouble. Now, we will keep him out for the next while. Long enough for you to get where you're going. Urzel, his voice fading in and out, seems to be addressing someone else. Almost the instant he finished speaking, you hear two distinct sets of footfalls moving towards the back of the wagon. Still confused about this unexpected turn of events, realising that for reasons unknown you're about to be moved from one wagon to another, you hurriedly attempt to resolve the issue of your bound wrist. So I've got a few options here. I could just work my hands out of the rope. That's probably the least successful option. Least likely to be the successful option. I could use shadow magic, telekinesis, or thievery. Hmm. Honestly, I don't want to trust the shadows. Because, well, sometimes they turn you evil. I'm going to give telekinesis a shot. 4xp to telekinesis. You channel your power of telekinesis and focus it on the ropes binding your wrist. A satisfied smile spreads across your face as you begin to work your bonds using nothing but the power of thought. Within seconds, your hands are three. The approaching footfalls stop just outside the wheel of the wagon. You immediately recognise the voices of Uthrid and Tiltman, but you can't make out anything they're saying. Seems they are deciding on the best way to carry you to the other wagon. Suddenly, Tiltman's hand reaches in through the opening in the back of the wagon. The guard is about to pull himself inside. So I've got a few options. I could remain still, or I could leap up and attack him before he fully enters. I'm going to remain still. I want to keep it as long, going as long as possible for maximum surprise. Your hands now free and your eyes narrowed to just thin slits. You watch as Tilbarn climbs into the wagon and steps towards you. He leads, leads down, presumably to take hold of you. You spring up, eliciting a startled gasp from the young man. Before you can, sh- you can shout out to his companion, you slam your fist into his throat, throat, sending him toppling sideways, gasping as he attempts to draw beth- breath. He takes a valiant effort to regain his feet, but you are immediately upon him. So, I've, I've got a couple of options here. I could kill him, or I could subdue him. Look, I, I've known this guy for a while. I don't want to kill him. But I don't know what he's got. I don't know how he got into this mess, but he probably doesn't want to be in it. Oh, come on, it's only kidnapping. Come on, it's not like... It's not like it's tax evasion. (laughs) Tilbarn smashes at you with his short blade. There we are. I go into battle rage. I trusted you! You subdued your foe. 7 XP. Tilman slumps to the wagon bag. The young man, though skilled with swords, is respectable, severely battered, but very much alive. Before you can even contemplate your next move, Udred springs into the wagon, his blade drawn and his startled gaze fixed squarely on you. With your next breath, you find yourself locked into a struggle against the skilled and determined foe. I'm guessing he thinks that perhaps the poison I've taken is... I'm still groggy from that. He might stand a chance. And also, um, he he doesn't... He doesn't want... If he runs away now, he'll look bad. Begin combat. I'm going to subdue him too. Okay, do 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 Down he goes. He slices you with his short blade. He's subdued. Nine XP. Gasping as his wise eyes roll to the back of his head, Uthward collapses into a heap at your feet. 
The young guard, bloodied and batties, will ultimately survive this painful ordeal. Uncertain whether or not anyone heard the struggle, who waste no time questioning Tilman and Lufford. The young guards, both obviously fearful of their lives, tell you that Ozil's plan was to incapacitate and then deliver you to an unknown party. Neither man seems to know anything else about Ozil's motives, but they are quick to apologise for their own duplicity and involvement. When you ask her about the woman you heard mentioned by the voices outside the wagon, they shake their heads and say they know nothing of it. Two sharp blows, one to the head of each man, when, when, man, when does the young guards unconscious? With neither Tilbarn or Uthred any longer a concern, you make your way to the opening at the back of the wagon and cautiously peer out, suddenly. As you warily look out through the opening in the heavy cloth wagon, covering that conceals the interior of the wagon, your heart nearly skips a beat. Skips a beat. Standing less than five yards from you, on the edge of the road, his arms crossed and a startled look adorning his thin, scarred face, is an older, black-haired man in a blue tunic. His initial expression of surprise dissolves into what you can only describe as an uncomfortable smirk. See you shaken off the effects of the brew, he says, his voice wavering ever so slightly. Please, beg of you to do nothing rash. I'm not your enemy. Despite whatever all of this may seem to you, without warning, the man unfolds his arms and shoots his sprayed hands towards you. Before you quite know what is happening, a powerful invisible force wraps tightly around your body and pulls you out of the wagon. A few tense moments later, you land softly on your feet, directly in front of the magic-wielding stranger. Now that, that was unnecessary, that was unnecessary. Suddenly, the echoing clop of heavy foot hoofbeats, coupled with the wattles and creaks of wood and metal, rise up from behind you. Whipping your head in the direction of the road, you watch as Ursula's wagon rolls away to the north, rumbling along at a speed you can never have guessed it could obtain. Seated at the front of the wagon are two figures you immediately recognise, Ursula and Wynne. Alright, they're, they're all... they're all okay. All my four companions. Okay, I was betrayed, but... I get betrayed a lot. So I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really that bitter about that. It's not like they hurt a dog. Now that that would be an entirely different business. Let them go," says the scarred man. The sound of his voice, snapping your thoughts back to the presence. Erzol is of no concern to us. I'm afraid I owe you apology. Erzol's treachery wasn't his own doing. He's hardly capable of such things. More so certain the matter didn't sit well with him, but he had little choice. If you're burdened with the sort of debts he holds, you might find yourself in quite a familiar circumstance. Looking back, looking past the man standing before you, you suddenly spot a wagon sitting at the edge of the road. Two grey horses, slightly smaller than those employed by Urzor, Stand hitched to the front of the open wagon. Stranger, it seems you're all but certain the wagon wasn't there moments ago. The sound of Ursula's departing wagon grows faint. As the sound of Ursula's departing wagon grows faint, you turn and watch as the bulky covered cart, its flame lurching precariously, hastily transfers. Transverses the working track, disappears around a bend in the road. The thought occurs to you that Urzwell and Wynne will soon find Tilman and Nuwed unconscious in the back of the wagon. The scarred man, seemingly nervous in your presence, okay, he's as he should be, casts a final glance in the direction of Urzwell's departing wagon then turns to face you. He places his hand on his hands on his hips and sighs. There wasn't supposed to be any violence, he says, shaking his head. You could hardly be faulted for that. But no, however, that you must not hold any of this against Urzel. He knew nothing of this business beyond his task to deliver you to me. Think I'd better explain. 
My name is Judgewin. You didn't tell me your name. I'm quite familiar with you. Uncertain what to believe of what Judgewin said, you listen as she explains why he had Uzzur bring you to this Walmart spot. Julian tells you that he is an agent working on behalf of a paymaster whose identity remains even to him unknown. He says the paymaster has great interest in the adventure collective, particularly its oldest surviving guild hall, the Copper Hilt Lodge. Hmm. Mysterious paymaster. Could it be? Oh. Oh, I've got. Oh, could it be the Night Whisperers, perhaps? I mean, being secretive is their business. Hmm. Oh, well, we'll see. I need someone inside the lodge to act as my eyes and ears, he said, briefly looking in the direction of his wagon. As it was very doubtful that any truly honourable member of the collective would choose to help me on his own, I resorted to measures that I now admit are a bit much. I had hoped to plant a few powerful suggestions in your mind. You would have known a thing about them, but they would have served my purposes quite well. Perhaps, however, you can see your way to forgiving my misbep. All does not have to be lost. Judwin offers what sounds like sincere apology for all that has occurred, and asks that you consider his preposition. He tells it tells you that you would, from time to time, provide him with a detailed account of the affairs of Copperhill Lodge and, to a lesser extent, affairs of the Adventure Collective as a whole. He may he may be able to make it worth the trouble. I don't wish anyone to come to harm, he says. What precisely my paywaster wishes to do with this knowledge is not for me to say, to be honest. I don't quite care. What do you have to say? Are we agreement? Alright, I'm afraid that all of this, all of this, is something of a waste. For both of us. See, I've got a few options. I can attack him. I can reject his position, accept his position, ask Judwin about about the woman you heard Israel mention, I'll use divination to give myself some sort of clue. Use divination first. Exceeded. You sent while you sent it, Judo has not told you the complete truth. You also sense sense his motive motives for concealing some of the details are not entirely sinister. Okay, I'm going to ask him about the woman you heard Israel mention. Judin appears momentarily taken aback. When you ask him about the woman you heard Urzor mention only moments after you regain consciousness in your wagon. She's unimportant, he says dismissively. She helped to arrange my introduction to Urzor. That, that is all. You need not concern us yourselves with her. And Judwin, seemingly eager to change the subject, again repeats his preposition, asking if you will provide him with details of the happenings within the Copperhill Lodge and the eventual collective in exchange for making it worth your trouble. Let's see. The thing is, I have no idea what this information could be used for. I mean, they could be thieves trying to to steal all the great many treasures are no doubt hiding in the lodge and they probably want my information to know when everybody's out doing things maybe that I mean it could be some sort of rival outfit of adventurous you know, maybe they, they could just be they could just be agents of the crown who are Obviously, going to keep a tabs on incredibly powerful, powerful factions with a lot of weapons and incredibly burly guys. You know, it's just just, just common sense. You keep track on it. It doesn't mean you're sinister. We gotta just in case, just in case. Especially since these are very powerful people who keep diddle, who keep messing with powerful ancient artifacts that doom stuff. Hmm. Thing is, I you really don't get any 
There's no, I don't, nothing gameplay-wise seems to actually happen as a result of this. Oh, I'll accept this preposition. I mean, I've got to go along with it for a bit. If only so I can find out what's happening. I presume if I don't go along with it, he'll just try it on someone else later. Or the paymaster would get another agent to try it on someone else. Oh, I'd accept his preposition. I mean, I could always just lie. Jewin thanks you and again apologises for the original means by which he attempted to win your complacency. I will not burden you with a quest, he says, and should you at any time have second thoughts, you need only tell me and we shall consider our arrangement at the end. You spend several somewhat awkward moments conversing with Jewin before the two of you depart, heading your separate ways. My requests will be infrequent, but you will not mistake them, he says as he heads for his wagon. Safety on the road, my friend. Standing on the edge of the road, he watches the scarred mage returns to his wagon and drives away to the north, disappearing behind the same bend around which Urzor passed only a short while ago. Bewildered by the strange turn of events, and having no desire to linger here for even a moment longer, you immediately set off on your way. The journey back to the Copper Hilt Lodge is both swift and uneventful, though you find your thoughts played by the strange turn of events that took place on the lonely road to Stonefall. Upon your return, you immediately spring out Marfil, the thin, well-armed man. Man looks up as you approach his table and nods, and so our champion returns, he says, his toe wife with playful champion. I trust there are no complications. For good reason, you decide to make no mention of what actually transpired during your mission, particularly your betrayal at the hands of Ursula and your encounter and subsequent agreement with Judwin. Merciful hands you a pouch containing 15 adventurer tokens. Although, I've really only got five adventure tokens because I just spent ten. For my lodge master, he says. Marple sighs and drums his fingers against the surface of the table. Well then, now there's the matter of the collateral you left with me, he says. Marple returns to you the collateral you left him with and accepted the task. 500 gold tokens. Then he gives you your payment for for having completed the task, another 500 gold tokens. Gormard Man again thanks you for seeing your mission through to its successful conclusion. Well, I assume it's successful. I didn't really see what happened to these people once. What, what happened to Urzol once he'd got off, once I was separated. And I assume he got to where he was going. Then, without another word, he returns his gaze to the open book, resting at his elbows. And that finishes this adventure for 384 experience to general. Uh, and there, that, yeah, that's my first adventure in the Adventures Collective. Two more have been unlocked. The first is Breaching the Deep. The second is The Third Thang. And I'll just take my leave. And in the main hall of, of the Adventurers Guild Lodge is an adventure called Whisperers. So now we have 36 Adventurers handy. I'm just going to look through the list again and see if anything else new has turned up. Now I think that's everything but I'm going to give it a good look. Nope, those are all the new adventurers. I guess we'll start doing them next time. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.